Episode 21. Woo! Pod. Brett Chavez, Mike Chiquetti, Ben Pope. Who baby? Who baby? Who baby? Who baby? We made it to the conference championship, fellas. Oh, boy. Just coming up this weekend. We had a quite the eventful divisional round. Yep. Four games. Three out of the four were decided by a game-winning field goal. Fact. Which is absurd to hear. I'll turn it over to Ben first. We'll start it off here. Kick us off with our initial game and what were some of our thoughts on it? Yeah, I guess <laughs> Ben doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even pick up on that. I don't know if that was on purpose, but uh, if it was, wow. Um, yeah, we'll talk about uh, Cincinnati Bengals winning 19-16 to 16, uh, against the Tennessee Titans. And uh, yeah, that's all we have to say about that. Yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, for Tennessee's defense to play the way they have to play the way they did that night, for that, wow. For the Tennessee Titans defense to play the way they did, nine sacks, Jeffrey Simmons, dragging as you know what in Joe Burrow's face. Whoa, seemingly the whole game. Excuse me. For for, for Cincinnati to come out with that win, very impressive. Going into the playoffs, I didn't know how we looked at Cincinnati. You know. Are they are they a legit contender? I didn't think so. They're now going to the conference championship, and they have the team to be a big Super Bowl threat within the uh, near future. So <laughs> we said the same thing like three weeks in a row. Like no, we, we, I know. I don't know. We were like, oh, originally didn't know what's happened with the Bengals. Yeah, it wasn't even Jeffrey Simmons too. I think I'll pull it up. David Long is sack. Harold Landry had one and a half. Denico Autry had one and a half. Bud Dupree had one uh yeah and some no names had a couple but um yeah wow what's uh, have three what sacks jeffrey simmons yeah yeah three okay um amani hooker that big interception at the time yeah. um but this game comes down to two things or i guess one thing and that's the quarterbacks it's two people uh joe burrow and brian tano Joe Burrow, with all the nine sacks and everything, still played a heck of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, put up really good numbers. I'll pull that up real quick. Uh, 28 for 37, 348. Did throw a late interception, but it was one that uh, really didn't end up mattering in the long haul. Um, and then Ryan Tannehill. Uh, yeah. Tough one, tough one. Yeah. Three picks. I don't know. But at the end of the day... It's plain and simple. If the if the Bengals, the Bengals won the game, point blank. If they want to win against Kansas City coming up, which we'll talk about in a little bit, yes, the offensive will. line's got to be fixed. Oh, we'll we'll we'll, 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 we'll wait for that. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll wait oh, yeah. for that, but oh yeah. And I think like after this game, probably spurred up the conversation. Oh, probably need a good quarterback to be able to go anywhere in the playoffs, and well. San Francisco, the game after, we'll go into the next one here against the Green Bay Packers. Well, they said, hey, Jimmy G, we can throw for like 15 yards in the first quarter. <laughs> we can still win this thing. And uh, and they did just the, that. The, the, they the, did. Really disappointing showing. Oh, my God. From the Packers. <laughs> You're really? telling me. You're telling me. And, hey, uh, 
tooting their bandwagon all year, uh, lead, leading the charge. And um, Hey, you talked us into it. Yeah. yeah. I was and, on. And then I walked out of it, uh, I guess, at the right moment. I still picked them last week. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Rodgers just – I guess they're not able to show up against San Francisco in the playoffs. This moves them to 0-4. Uh, didn't throw a single touchdown in the game, 225 passing yards. Uh, did not score at all uh, after the initial first drive. They had a blocked field goal in there, but uh, not able to put up points uh, in a situation where the Niners defense they played pretty well. Like yeah. Fred Warner had a very good game. Nick Bosa was active in that entire D-line, but still, like, I don't know, with – all the players that were coming back, uh, aside from uh, David Bakhtiari, we saw Jair come back. We saw that Devondre Campbell, uh, Preston Smith, uh, Zedaria Smith, all were present and had decent games. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Niners obviously had a better game plan, came mm-hmm. uh, and just proved it. They played hard the entire game. Uh, Debo Samuel had multiple like hard throw down runs at the end of the drive uh, or at the end of the game that really put them over the edge. And yeah, it, they've been very hard fought and this is like their fourth or fifth straight win, even going before the playoffs started. So they're in a hot run. And even though their offense didn't really show up too much, even putting up 13 in the last two quarters, they're still getting it done. And we can even note back to the NFC Championship a few years ago against Green Bay when they went to San Francisco and went to the Super Bowl that year. Jimmy G. Stalin, he threw six six completions, eight attempts. So it just shows you have a solid run game. And now with the emergence of <coughs> Debo as basically an offensive athlete, he doesn't really have a position. And the defense has been very solid. Who knows with this team? I don't know. They look good. They look really good. So yeah. props to props to the 49ers. Yeah, that game it was a Raheem Mostert game that was he had like a yep. sixty rush. Yeah, that was that was. I think just overall, just looking at this game as a whole too, and looking at the implications that were before the game, freezing cold, snowing. Obviously, you know going into this game that there's not gonna be crazy amounts of offense like we anticipated from the Green Bay offense. Still the amount of low production that they had after the first drive with the A.J. Dillon touchdown, a little disappointing. I think the special teams obviously was the, the knife to the heart. China just took down the momentum in that contest, but it's straightforward. I mean, if San Francisco's offense can stay efficient through four quarters and they're able to use that run game to their advantage, run through that line of Alex Mack, Trent Williams, and the rest of that company – and they're okay. McGlinch. They're they're able to compete. McGlinch. All right, I guess we get some Mike McGlinchy stands here. Oh, absolutely, on the pod. we do. Um, absolutely, we do. But if they're able to stay, <laughs> if their defense is able to hold up and the run game stays efficient, then they have a solid chance to win any ball game in the playoffs right now. And they've proven before that they can hold their own in the title game, and it's going to be their biggest test coming up. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens, but moving into the next game, we'll talk about the first game from Sunday now, Tampa Bay and the Rams, where I don't know what happened at the end of that game. There's just so much to talk about. 
from the Rams dominating at the beginning, then they weren't dominating, and then the hero named Cooper Cup showed up. I wouldn't even call Cooper Cup a hero at this point. He kind of was just right there at the right time. I'll st- I'll let Ben start this I one off. Start. I honestly think that Re- that Brett is a, a Rams fan. I'm gonna vaunt. Listen, I think no, 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 Turning into the he he's an Aaron Donald stand. He, he was wearing the Aaron Donald jersey. Yep, yep, on yep. Monday. He was. He was. I think he's developing into a Rams fan. I'm kind of like I'm kind. I like to compare myself to Bope in this scenario, Ben. Oh. Mister Mister Ben. I I say I'm a Titans fan though. You're also a Patriots fan. Yeah. And then you say you're a Titans fan. Yeah. I I'm a diehard Broncos fan, but I'm I can say that I'm a fan of the Rams players. But that's that's not the same thing. I'm a fan of both teams. I think you're a fan of the team, Brett. I decline. A he, statement. That means he is. He is. He's saying it hey, like it's a once, bad thing. Once Von Miller legitimately like leaves, mine, then I don't know. I'm hopping on the Rams bandwagon for the playoffs. That's for sure. Like mine's probably worse because I got two AFC teams. He's got an AFC and an NFC. Yeah. Team. Like, oh, this is this is terrible. But, and no, it works out because you have you're a fan of a Super Bowl contender and you're a fan of a contender for the number one pick. So it really, so it really evens out. Oh my god, that got the entire room. <laughs> so it really evens out right there. I mean, where do we start? We got to start right at the beginning. The Rams came out and looked dominant. They were firing. Absolutely, they were. Second half, um, not so much. Don't, don't gloss over the Rams' success like that. The strike, the 70-yard strike from uh, Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. Yep. We saw some more success out of Cam Akers, who's had a couple fumbles in that game, but he's been very successful coming off of that full ACL tear. Achilles. Or Achilles. Only third full game back. He's been very successful. And that defense was playing heck of a good game. Oh, yeah, they were. They were. Second half, Mm. uh, L.A. had four lost fumbles, I believe. The Bucks were getting the ball back. Three? Three or four. Cup had one, and Akers had two. Okay, so maybe it was three. I wish Sony Michelle had one, but... The the Bucks took full advantage, almost came back into that game, but every dog has his day, and that was uh, Brady's... That was Brady's day. The storm did not come. No, it didn't. And, and right when they were... They were down what twenty seven there twenty eight to three twenty eight to three. Oh yeah, everyone's uh, talking I about heard, that. I heard that from a certain few people. Yep, shout out AG, shout out Reed. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> you know, it was. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Tom Brady. A lot of, I don't even know. Well, let's hop in on that. Hop first, in. first of all, yeah, the comments that he put out. Did not really allude to the fact that he was retired. I, he was I, like, I'm with him here. I am thinking about like my future and stuff. He never said outright he was retiring. He's right. Very much speculation. That's what people doing. There was a difference between what Brady said, putting his family first, what Giselle wants in the decision, 
And then the Ben Roethlisberger were they said is it his last game? Oh, I had to bring up Big Ben. Um, but is it his last game? He said, yeah, probably. So there's a difference. But you know, Brady is arguably MVP. Big Ben is arguably LVP. MVP. Well, that's a little Not hurtful. Nickel- that's a first battle hall of fame you're talking about right there. No, right, but what <laughs> he didn't like that. Shout out Big Ben. We'll get to that though. But the Rams, it was. It was a little scary because I was rooting for the Rams in that game. Seeing how Brady and the Bucks almost got back into it. Yeah, the third straight game with uh, ending <laughs> off in a field goal. This time, Matt yeah. Gay, the hero. Yep. Uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yeah, I drafted him, yeah. Storyline there. Shout out Roberto Aguayo. Okay. Um, just, just to kind of add a point here, too. I'm going to blame the entire second half of that game for the Rams on Kevin Kevin O'Connell and Sean McVay. Explain. When you're up multiple scores and you're leading a team that is not only run by Tom Brady, has one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL, and has proven to come back in late-game situations, you do one thing and one thing only. You chew clock. You run the ball. They were... You keep possession. And you go. But it seemed like the Rams were trying to do that, but they couldn't because the Bucks defense they kept they kept getting. In the big fourth stops. quarter they started to do that, but when you're in the late when you're in the latter half of the third quarter, that's when you pick up things. That's when I'd start working in Sony Michelle, Cam Akers. I'd start to feature little swing routes to Cooper Cup. To me it still seemed like they were going deep and trying to stretch the field with Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. It's not what you do. Brett, they had four turnovers, two were on running back fumbles from Cam Akers. One was a swing route, like you mentioned, to Cooper Cup, and he fumbled it, and then the muff snap. So they were doing that. It's not what I'm talking about, though, towards the end of the game. That's towards the end of the game and the last possession. Those were four possessions. That's four possessions, four turnovers. I get what you're saying, but, like, they did that, and they had the turnovers. That's what. In the last few possessions, they did try to do that, yes. Yes. the last four possessions. I don't know if they were the last four possessions of the game. I, I believe it was the last two or three possessions they tried to do that. I know the Acres won. That that I understand. That's on Acres. No, they were all in the second half. That's what I'm saying. To me, in the third quarter, it looked like they were trying to stretch the field. Right? McCup and Odell Beckham. That's what I saw. To me, it looked like they were trying to still base the pass first and not really working in this sort of run game at the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter. If you want to pull up, go ahead, Buck. I don't know. To me, it just didn't seem like the run game was present and efficient enough to move the ball strongly. There was a fumble, a punt where they ran the ball twice and then threw a side route to Michelle. Missed field goal, fumble, three-play punt, which is all runs, fumble, and then that's a TD at the end of the second. I see what you're saying. The counter to that would be it's hard to just chew clock on every possession in the whole second half, right? So in that case, you would rather try to up the score as much as you can. Yeah, and they did do that. They scored on their first or second possession. They scored on the first possession, I believe. That would be the counter argument to it. That it would just be tough in general to chew clock for one whole half, you know? Without turning the ball over. and They tried to chew the clock, and they turned the ball over. And it got very close at the end, but... That big Cooper Cup 
Yeah, the, the play to Cooper Cup just kind of ruined Be- everything for Tampa Bay. Beautiful. Brett, tell me about this Bills-Chiefs game. Make some sense of it for me. Oh, just looking at it as a whole, I guess, you can't really discredit Josh Allen or the Bills offense for doing anything wrong. To me, they played all their cards right. Josh Allen came out, played the game of his life, threw four touchdowns to Gabriel Davis. Not, credit to Gabriel Davis, too. Phenomenal game. Both of them went off, but they played all the cards right. They had the lead going into the final 13 seconds of the game, and Andy Reid tells Pat Mahomes to be the Grim Reaper and do what the Grim Reaper does and win the game. So that's, it's just one of those cases where it's going to be who's ever, whoever's secondary and whoever's defense can get to the quarterback first, and clearly it was Kansas City um, in overtime and whoever had the possession. You know, just bad luck in the overtime. If Buffalo had the draw, there's a strong case that Buffalo could have won the game the way that Kansas City's defense is playing in the final minutes of the fourth. But Kansas City wins the coin toss. They drive down the field. They took advantage of a secondary that was already exhausted as it was between Levi Wallace and a mismatch. You had Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde running all over the place <laughs> trying to cover this spread-out offense that Biennemi likes to run. It's just a tough game for Buffalo. You knew going into this game that they were going to have to fight for every single penny in this contest, which they did, but they fall short again. Now tell me this, Brett. A lot of talk after that game about changing the overtime rules. We'll get to we'll get around here. What are your thoughts on that, Brett? I wouldn't change them. Just you like how to, it is? Yeah. I wouldn't change them. To me... They set up the overtime rule as a tradition. As a traditional, you want the ball, and you're on defense. Make the stop. Both teams are exhausted at that point in the game. You don't know how the offense is going to produce. You don't know how the defense is going to come out. There have been plenty, plenty, countless cases in the NFL where games have gone into overtime. Defenses are able to make the stop, turn around, and win the game. It's just one of these cases where it's a big time game. Buffalo is quote-unquote, the favorite to win, according to a lot of betting lines, fans, analysts, whatever you want. And they, they just fell short. The defense just couldn't handle Kansas City. But it's just a case where they fell short. And I, I said right when overtime hit, whoever gets the ball first is going to go down the field and score Yeah, because both offenses were. Ben, what are your thoughts on the overtime rule? Change what are, it. What are my thoughts? Yeah. Mine are uh, change it, but the opposite. So don't change it. No. I, I I honestly think that unless you come up with a way where I think you can like be more creative than it than what it is right now, um you might as well just keep it the same. What do you mean by that? More creative. So well I would just say like I think the basic ideas of like um just giving each team like an opportunity okay cool you have the coin toss for a reason so that would kind of just make that null and void um right but i have been going back and forth between it there are definitely convincing arguments for both sides not changing it being have the defense make the stop how it is on the other side i saw the argument which is kind of interesting where football obviously is a team sport you should let both sides of the team basically get an fight. opportunity right okay in the playoffs which is uh interesting i mean 
definitely, definitely something the NFL and they said they would look into. I don't know how far they'll go into talks of changing it, but just definitely something interesting, interesting debate. But well, it was brought up in 2018 when that happened to the Chiefs against yep. the Patriots, and all the teams voted against it. Then I don't know if they would still remain with that same feeling. It's the owners that vote on it, correct? Right, yes. So you'd have to see if feelings did change uh, since then. I don't think. I've, I think Kansas City's feelings might have changed since then. But yeah, that's on no it'd gobble. It would be definitely interesting to see. I want to yeah. I want to mention this before I guess we maybe move on here and mm-hmm. bring up uh, Mahomes versus Allen. There was a lot of conversation probably this week in sports media that, oh, this might be the next uh, – Manning, this might be uh, Patrick Mahomes, pretty much just etching his name as the next Brady. A lot of a lot of comparisons, especially with both Brady and Rogers losing. This is the first time since I believe two thousand nine that neither of them are in the conference championships, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, I guess what are you guys' thoughts on that? My, me personally, um, I I find it hard not to root, even though. They've had so much success. Hard not to root for Kansas City because of the same situation that a lot of people can find, don't exactly always find, with Brady or uh, maybe in Brett's case with Peyton. Just you're seeing a player that's so good, it's hard not to root for them. They're doing something that's never been done before. I agree with that. So it's it's hard for me not to root for that, like root for... I guess not the impossible anymore because he's doing it. He's been to two straight Super Bowls, potentially goes to a third. These are four straight AFC title games, all in Arrowhead. Like when I look at it as a Mahomes fan, it's hard for me not to root for Mahomes to get another ring. Yeah. 26 years old, he'd have two rings, three Super Bowl appearances, four straight AFC. That's that's impressive. That's a lot. Really impressive in four years. Like, uh, it's just one of those cases where you, you just look at these quarterbacks that have had such an impact on a generation. I still kind of sit back and I'm like, I don't get how they did this. Like Manning, when he first entered Denver and he had that seven touchdown game and he set all these single season passing records with the Broncos, this and that. When Brady went on to win that undefeated season and then even though he fell short in the Super Bowl, had all these accolades. Same thing with Mahomes. Deep cut, deep cut, Brett. Yeah, it's just something that you you can't not root for. It's just something you can't not root for. Hey, we're going to get into that later. We'll it's get hard. into that later. But we're gonna we'll see. But, yeah, I understand the whole argument, and it could be, but we'll see. I definitely think there's a lot more of Josh Allen than we haven't seen yet in these title mm. games. Oh, yeah. Can you go out and throw four touchdowns, have only 12 incompletions in two games? How do you not make the title game? Like, that's just so hard to, like, swallow. Uh, here's how you don't make the title game. You go, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's, Boy's a demon. That's what it comes out. It's what yep. it comes down to at the end of the day. The coaching and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, great divisional round of games right there. Great divisional round. Games right. like I've never seen. I thought Saturday was wild, and Sunday just topped it. So. Oh, yeah. Brett, talk to us about these head coaching candidates. Yeah. Yeah. And the ones that have already uh, so signed up. So so we're moving on here. We're talking about some head coaching candidacies, the hirings 
Um, we'll start with Chicago. We'll start with that one first. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> as of this recording, um, Adam Schefter and Even Rappaport reported that the Bears are hiring Matt Eberfluss, the former Colts defensive coordinator, as their next head coach. Me personally, not a huge fan. He's a great coordinator, don't get me wrong, and I think he has definitely the potential to revamp this defense and bring it up to what it could be. You have guys like Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, mm. guys that I know I can rely on a little bit more than others. But to me, when you're looking at a head coach, my biggest priority would have been to address developing Justin Fields. Absolutely. Revamping this offense and what it could be. Darnell Mooney, Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, getting those guys up to speed and harnessing their full potential. Matt Eberflus definitely, I think he deserves a head coaching job. Great coordinator with Indianapolis. I don't love it for Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati. I don't love it for Chicago. I wanted Dable there. I think they need an offensive guy for Justin Fields, like you said. The defense worries me. They have... Jalen Johnson, they have Roquan Smith. Besides them two, you have good defensive pieces. They're older, though. They've got some oldies. They're old. You have They're going to be moving into the retirement home soon, Mike. A- Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack. Eddie Jackson's young, but he hasn't gotten back to that all-pro year. I believe he was an all-pro. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's tough. I don't love their defense, but... It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how Justin Fields develops next year under a defensive guy. He's gonna have to bring in either someone from the Colts staff under Reich that worked close with Frank Reich and understands how to properly develop a quarterback like Fields with a dual threat, or he's gonna have to go outside and find some sort of outside expertise from an organization that knows how to deal with these things. Potentially someone from Baltimore, maybe someone from Miami, someone from Seattle. Those kinds of things. Who understands what type of a quarterback Fields could be right. and can be. But, again, it's going to have to be a top-tier coordinator. Because as my number two cue in the draft, you got to get a guy to develop him. Yep. Yeah, I'd definitely try and grab someone out of, away from Indianapolis because if they're developing them like they develop Carson Wentz, well, well I, I wouldn't like to see that. Just to give some background for Eberflus, this is going to be his 14th year in the NFL as a head coach. He's – or – as a coach in general, uh, four years with Indianapolis as defensive coordinator. He inherited a 30th-ranked defense in 2017, immediately turned them into a top-10 defense over the past pre- over the previous few years. He's That's done a phenomenal job there. Um, I think I mentioned it either last week or the week before, but it was brought up um, when we were just talking about the candidates, um, just the influx of offensive-type uh head coaches have come in guys that are former offensive uh, coordinators that are transitioning head coaches and there hasn't been much success in guys that are turning from defensive coordinators to head coaches so that's going to be something kind of interesting definitely going to have to grab someone that's really good as an offensive coordinator Um, if there are any movements from any of the guys that are currently as head coach uh, positions that would be phenomenal but it'd probably be tough to do so just because they are up for those types of positions. But, yeah, if you find a diamond in the rough for offensive coordinator, obviously that would be great, but it's going to be tough right now just to develop the offense in a division that 
for now, still contains Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. So move to the next one. Yes, please. My personal... Well, I like to talk about a little bit. The Broncos this morning hired Nathaniel Hackett, the former Packers offensive coordinator, as their head coach. This is the first time Denver's gone out and hired an offensive-minded coach since Gary Kubiak um, back in the mid-2010s. It's going to be interesting to see what Hackett brings to Denver. Obviously, he's inheriting a situation where we don't know what could be a quarterback. We don't know what could be in this offense. There's a lot of strong potential there, but it hasn't been harnessed yet. Obviously, you have the young core with Sutton, Judy, and Patrick. You have a beast of a second-year running back next year in Javante Williams. There's a lot of pieces there for Nathaniel Hackett to work with. The question is, what does he do with it, and how is he going to make a proper scheme to really make this offense shine? And This was my guy I wanted them to hire over uh, Dan Quinn and Kevin O'Connell, but... We'll see what George Payton decides with here. Yeah, I really like this hire of Nathaniel Hackett to Denver. They need to bring in an offensive guy. It'll be interesting to see if A-Rod follows. That's because... See, that's where the rumors begin now. Obviously, you knew if the, Rod, the, the Broncos hired Hackett, these Rodgers rumors would speculate. Who knows what the heck Rodgers wants? Rodgers is right. Rodgers. He's not attached to Hackett. There's a connection there, but it, it certainly provides much more of a secure case as opposed to just the speculation. And you don't know what is going on with him because he is a strange individual. Well, that's a little, a little hurtful. No, it's it's very true. It's very true. He's a strange individual. Well, I was going to say it's a little true, but he cut in. Oh. Aaron Rodgers is not someone I would like to spend long periods of time with one-on-one. Wow. We'll put it that oh, way. Man. Wow. That's tough. But Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback talent. Didn't really show it this past weekend, but that's neither here nor there. It'll be interesting to see yeah, what happens with that. But back to the Hackett hiring. I, I'm a big fan. Ben? The Hackett hiring, similar uh, to Eberflus. He's had 13 previous years of coaching in the NFL. Uh, he was previously the offensive coordinator with Jacksonville when they had that big super, close to Super Bowl run, AFC Championship run. Um, did a great job with Blake Bortles. He actually made some comments that I showed Mike earlier on that he was very confident in the ability that he would add. Um, just going to be very interesting to see where this goes. A lot of different ways that the Broncos could go. They're still dealing with uh, two very elite quarterbacks within their division in Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and one not too shabby in Derek Carr, but you don't know where the Rams or the Raiders are going. Excuse me. So very interesting to see, but I like that. Like previously mentioned, they went in the offensive coordinator situation since they didn't uh, weren't able to work out with Vic Fangio, a defensive guy at the helm. The Jaguars requested an interview Hackett for the second time. Right. So the Jaguars flew out playing to Denver, which a lot of people speculated would be to pick up Hackett from the Broncos and then fly him out to Jacksonville. Not the case. Peyton got the deal done in the middle of the night, woke up the morning, they got the hire. The plane picked up Vic Fangio. <laughs> Vic Fangio and flew him out to Jacksonville. And now all of a sudden Vic Fangio is a head coaching candidate of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't do that. 
I don't know how I feel about this at all. I, when you're working with Trevor Lawrence, why are you going to hire a defensive-minded don't guy? Don't do that. What are we doing? Don't do that. There's only so, one guy I want in Jacksonville. It's Byron Leftwich. Reports came out the other day about It was so weird. There, there's a source on Twitter that supposedly has some strong connections with the Jaguars sources inside. And he said that they hired Byron Leftwich. And Barstool then tweeted out afterward, retweeting it and sort of quote-unquote verifying the source saying that they hired Leftwich. And then Jacksonville the next day goes and requests Fangio. And I believe they requested one more guy. Yeah, it might it have been Jim, Jim Caldwell or someone. It doesn't make sense to me. It might just be just to have another candidate in the mix. I don't know. But I don't think that's a good fit at all. And certainly adds on to the, the funny narrative with Vic Fangio is ending times in Denver. Um, but just to round up the coaching talk here, we'll go over one more that happened this evening. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders requested to interview Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. Jeez. They also interviewed Dan Ziegler as well. Um, one of the assistants for the Patriots. This is... What, GM? Or player personnel? Uh, yes. Um, they, they interviewed him for the GM job. For the, for the GM job, and then they interviewed McDaniels. No, his interview is Saturday. They're, they're interviewing McDaniels. Yes. Excuse me. Interviewed Ziegler. Yes. Yep. Okay. This is a, a job where you need, you're looking for a big name. You're looking for a big name to fill a big role for a big team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, McDaniels is a big name. Mm. It's not as big as Jim Harbaugh, right? But it's still a name that has six rings attached to it with the Patriots franchise. It's a name that's worked with Tom Brady and other solid quarterbacks that have played in this league. He's already had one head coaching stint before. Funny, with the Broncos. Not sure if this is the right fit for Vegas. I don't like it. I think the reason why McDaniels is sticking around so much... Rumors beginning just because he might have the New England job locked up once Bill Belichick departs. But if he decides to go to Vegas, it'll be very curious to see how he handles that situation. This is going to be a team where you have to address so many question marks and so many scenarios. And to me, bringing in McDaniels just doesn't seem like the right mindset to think long term. To me... If you're thinking long-term, you hire a first-time head coach that has a lot of young and generational um, knowledge and potential experience. And to me, McDaniels has already had that experience, didn't work out before, and I don't know. I just don't think this is the right fit for Vegas. Well, if you think about the Raiders' situation, unless they go in the complete rebuild mode that we initially thought they were going to do last year when they cut ties with all these offensive linemen then ran it back and showed some success with the pieces that they had left over maybe like maybe they consider running it back once again trying to maybe add a couple pieces uh whether it's on the line or okay uh or in like the corner room or just fixing up those weak issues that they do have um they're not like a terribly flawed team. They made the playoffs yeah. for a reason. And I have to think about this. Josh McDaniels, 
big reason that he wants to go to the Raiders, you know, as a Patriots fan, he wants that white wide receiver once again in Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Bruh. All seriously, though. Like, ser- all seriousness, though. Like, I think <laughs> Bruh. he's going to have a decent quarterback. And not to say that. A good Car- quarterback. Yeah. And not to say that Carr plays like Brady, but he's very much in the pocket, similar to what he's been used to aside from one year. So it wouldn't be anything atrocious, at least in my opinion. No, I don't think it'd be terrible. I. It might just be my bias of not being a huge fan of McDaniels. Not even coordinator-wise. Solid, solid coordinator. I think he's a fantastic coordinator. I don't think he's a great head coach. I had a conversation, you know this, with my dad earlier today. Shout out, shout out the shout boy. Out, shout out, shout out the boy. Shout out Dennis. Um, shout out Dennis. Dennis Rodman. He, he pointed out an argument where Dennis some coaches Shavsman. just they peak at a certain amount of knowledge and repertoire, and we've seen Ooh, guys well, in the past to it too. that have capped out at a certain knowledge and can't perform to that next step. Vic Fangio, fantastic defensive coordinator. Not a great head coach. My favorite, my favorite coach, is like that. Who? Todd Bowles. I was gonna say Todd Bowles, but I wasn't sure. Todd Bowles is tricky because it's a New York. It's New York. I'm willing to give him a second chance, but we'll we'll say that for now. Right. Great coordinator. Yeah. Great coordinator. A lot of guy, A lot of guys are like that though. Mike Munchak, fantastic offensive line coach. Not a good head coach. Matt Canada for the Steelers. Great quarterbacks coach. Not a great offensive coordinator. Again, there, it just repeats the narrative that there are some guys that have a successful knowledge for one and then doesn't work for another. That concludes our coaching discussions. We move into our final topic of discussion today, fellas. Mm-hmm. Please. Discussions. Championship weekend. Two games. I'll let you guys pick. Which one are we talking about first? Go in order. Do you know the order? I actually don't know the order. Oh my. I can't. I don't know the order off the top of my head. I know the order. Okay, go ahead. And I'll speak. We will go out to Arrowhead first because mm. that is where the first game is. Like usual, the Kansas City Chiefs will be hosting a new opponent for like the third or fourth year in a row. Uh, they will be hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. So it'll be a matchup of Burrow versus Mahomes. Very interesting matchup here. Uh, I guess we'll turn over. We'll turn over to Mike. Oh, see what his thoughts are. Who he's got in Cincinnati versus Kansas City. First off, just want to mention it's so weird to me that Joe Burrow is only a year younger than Mahomes. Oh yep. And Mahomes has been in the league like three years. Well, Joe played until his senior year, so. Right. Mahomes played to what a sophomore year. Couldn't tell you. I think it was a sophomore year. But J- I believe Burrow had the redshirt year as well, so he had was in like five years. Yeah. Yep. Five years in the system. But anyways, Joe Burrow said earlier that Arrowhead's not going to bother him. That he has SEC stadiums louder than Arrowhead. He's never played in Arrowhead, so we'll see. We'll see how he takes to that. It'll definitely be interesting. There's, there's a swag that Joe Burrow carries himself with that I like. I wasn't huge on Joe Burrow 
in his rookie year from what I saw. Not that I didn't think he was going to be anything. I just wasn't wasn't huge fan. There's there's something about Joe Burrow that I love. That team, that whole team is a swag to it. Jamar Chase, T. Higgs, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. Even that defense has got some guys on it. You got Trey Hendrickson, main <coughs> plays on the line. You got Logan Wilson, the linebacker. You got the corners, Cheetah Bear Wouzier. You got Mike Hilton. You got uh, Jesse Bates, um, Von Bell. Either way, that that team is legit. And we saw what happened last time they played Kansas City. Amazing game. Amazing game. Stop carrying it out. Who are you picking, boy? You don't want to pick it. Taking the Chiefs. I have to. Chiefs in Arrowhead against a young, inexperienced team. I feel like this is the time the Bengals kind of falter a little bit at Arrowhead. I I have the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going to leave Brett to last because I feel like he'll have the most interesting team. He will. But... Uh, he, he looks into my soul right now. Um, I also have the Chiefs. Um, this was one I was trying to think about how I could potentially get Cincinnati in there. And I honestly was like, well, I don't think the pass rush for Kansas City is too insane. Like, I think Tennessee's is very good. Yeah. Kansas City's is pretty solid as well, led up by Chris Jones and everything. My dog. Uh, but I still think Kansas City... Uh, has a strong enough defense, and they, of course, have a stronger offense. So if right. Cincinnati's offense falters at all like uh, they did against Tennessee, which you'd have to and, see kind of the adjustment and, make from game to game. But, and they even did against Vegas, too. I feel like yeah. both games in the playoffs, Cincinnati's offense has kind of yeah, gone slow in the second half. Yeah, for sure. Um, in Kansas City, I, I, don't have any, I don't have any reservations there. Like, maybe the one that you can still say is, oh, lack of a run game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire only had, like, eight touches, but he had 60 yards rushing. And Jarek McKinnon got the majority of the touches out of the backfield. Wasn't efficient in the run department, but had five catches for over 50 yards. So, that was showing efficiency there. And Bet against Patrick Mahomes last week. I was wrong. Probably have to take the same narrative of I, with Tom Brady. Which, hey, I was wrong on that one, so I hope I'm not wrong on it two weeks in a row. <laughs> but uh, hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes, especially in the playoffs, mm-hmm. especially at Harrowhead, where he's only lost once in the playoffs. Yep. And who was that too, Tom Brady? I also have Kansas City winning this game. Um, I think Ben thought I was going to win. Since, uh, I was going to pick Cincinnati. No, but I thought you were the most likely to go. Cincinnati. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm absolutely the most likely to pick Cincinnati. You're, you're I the, fully admit you're that. You're the biggest loose cannon on the show. <laughs> Wow, that is that's tough. A that, that no, was that's tough. That's not Loose cannon. But yeah, I'm taking Kansas City here. Experience is what matters in these types of games. You can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid going up against an inexperienced Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor in the title game. I feel like I don't have to explain myself a lot here. Just it's It's almost straightforward at this point. I've come to a point where, yes... I've taken a lot of gambles on Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, how they ha- how they would handle the playoffs in these kind of situations, but you're going into Arrowhead with some of the craziest fans in all of football. You're going against a team where they're a loose cannon. You honestly don't know what the Chiefs offense could do at any given moment. Um, I actually saw a video earlier today. It was outside of Paul Brown Stadium. The Bengals actually blasted live noise from Arrowhead Stadium during their practice to get ready 
So they practice inside, I believe, Paul Brown Stadium. Blared noise just to kind of get Burrow and getting his tempo right mm -hmm. before he gets into Arrowhead. Um, but regardless of how much preparation they do, I'm going with Kansas City. I think it'll be probably a two-possession game. And this defense that has come up in big moments for the Bengals, I think it's honestly going to have a tough time covering these guys in Kansas yep. City. So yep. it's hard to bet against the Chiefs here. So we will go on now to our second matchup here. Uh, second and final matchup here. A rematch, numero trace, of division rivals here. we got San Francisco 49ers led up by fan JC7 in Seekonk, <laughs> Massachusetts. Shout out JC. Versus the... L.A. Rams led up by Brett Schaubs <laughs> in Taunton, Massachusetts. So you got a, a matchup of the Portuguese. <laughs> but just wanted to go over kind of the injury reports before because it's something that I wanted to just take a look at. Andrew Whitworth has been practicing in full. Uh, Trent Williams has not practiced yet this week but is trending to play uh, regardless according to Kyle Shanahan. Those are the two more notable ones. Otherwise, Elijah Mitchell was uh, limited today, as well as Van Jefferson. So just a couple players to look out for. But seems to me that uh, everyone is going to be healthy on both sides of the ball. So it's really kind of a coin toss here. This is the third matchup, like I mentioned. Uh, Sean McVay still winless in his career against the Niners, led up by Kyle Shanahan. So can he for finally? Real? Yeah. Wow. That is true. Four three. Uh, well, not just four. this year. Yeah. Uh, going back to a couple years previous. Um, but I uh, guess it's kind of interesting here. Can the Rams and McVay finally break that skid and go into a Super Bowl? Or can the Niners continue this unbelievably hot stretch that they've been on into a Super Bowl run? And it would be a matchup, potentially – Brought up by the Chiefs, a rematch of two Super Bowls ago, which I know a certain Niners fan would love to see that <laughs> after blowing the, the big lead there. But we'll turn over to Brett this time first, give his pick. You know, I honestly think this game can go both ways. I'm going to go with the Rams. Just going into this, I, I got to go with my gut. The Rams, in my eyes... I just, I can't go against them. I, I mean, I don't even know what to say at this point. I've talked about time and time again how this defense has really stood up and rose to the occasion, right? Yep. They went out and spent money to get these guys to be in this position, right? They went out and got McVay years ago to be in this position. Now they're going up against a divisional rival in probably the biggest game that Sean McVay's had in his coaching career. Will it happen? I think so. Could this be Stafford's final opportunity to go to a Super Bowl? No, I think he'll have a couple more chances, but this is his first big shot. And his best chance, his with, the best guys, chance. with the roster they got. I think the Rams have finally had the opportunity to look at the 49ers with a real good look, get another full week of practice in, understand what they're doing, look at Green Bay, see their flaws, and really make a defensive game plan where they can come out and be efficient through all four quarters. Obviously, you know Cooper Cup's going to be involved in the grand scheme of things. He's been a target hog all postseason and regular season. He's going to be involved somewhere. The question is, how are you going to get the run game started? Cam Akers, we mentioned before, had some success against Tampa Bay, but also had some fumbling issues. Do you start with Akers or do you start with Michelle? 
I'll let you guys decide on that. I think you start with Akers again. Yep. And just run that tandem through the ground. Who knows? The Rams, in my opinion, are just the better team in this case. And short and sweet, I've got them here. As much as Shanahan, as good of a coach he is, and how much of he's how much you can accredit him to bringing him here, I think the the road stops here for the Niners. I also have the LA Rams. The LA Rams were my preseason pick, and I went back on that after their inconsistencies throughout the year. The inconsistencies scare me a lot. They are 0-2 this year against the this 49ers team. They can make plays, and that's how they got in this position because they have good players on their great players on the team. I just think overall, I mean, it's no debate that the Rams have a better roster than the 49ers. It just comes back to the inconsistencies. My gut is telling me the Rams, even though I am a little worried for them. If they come out and play how they did offensively and defensively against the Bucks this past weekend, I think it's theirs, their game to lose. But I didn't think the 49ers would beat Dallas. I definitely didn't think they'd beat Green Bay. So anything can happen in this game, but I'm, I'm taking, taking the Rams. I'm taking San Francisco. Yes. Um, Here it is. So, Cal Shannon is undefeated in his career against Sean McVay, head coach versus head coach. No reason to bet against that now. Like I mentioned, the Niners coming into this game hot. Obviously, they didn't have a great offensive game against uh, Tampa Bay, but I would argue to say that Tampa's defense um, could honestly match up better against them just because they're more unfamiliar and they've got just as many playmakers like the Rams defense as a whole might be better, but just because they have the familiarity there, even with the addition of Von Miller and everything, they're still very familiar with that. So they have somewhat of an advantage there. Obviously it works both ways, but I think that works more in the Niners favor. The fact that George Kittle and Debo Samuel weren't on the injury report was awesome for me because they were both limping at the end of the last game. And I was kind of nervous there. Uh, Trent Williams has, uh, been, been a DNP uh, the previous two days, but Shanahan saying that he's likely to play gives me a lot more confidence. It's a, brings me to think that similar to what the Bucks did with Ryan Jensen last week, they're going to rest him until Friday and Saturday come along. Then he'll get some reps in and then finally be able to play and everything. So I have a lot of confidence there. San Francisco, when they have been right, they have been able to work their offense through those two players even with Brandon Ayuk, and they've let their defensive players just eat. And I have no reason to believe that the success that they've shown against McVay and against Stafford even these two games this year changes. Like, obviously, I think that they brought a different game plan, the Rams did, in the Week 18 matchup, and they were still able to come through. It depends a lot on Jimmy Garoppolo, and betting on Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not something I'm totally confident in but betting on Kyle Shannon is something I am confident in only one or two times where he's really shown that uh, he might be able to blow a game but his decisions time and time again we saw both last week and a week before that he's able to make good decisions as a head coach and able to win those types of battles and he's done it against two good guys um, talking about McVay and uh, Bruce Arians not uh, Mike McCarthy, sorry. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to manifest uh, Chiefs, Niners for my buddy JC, but I have a lot of confidence, and I have no reason to bet, bet against the hot hand, which is San Francisco. Now, riddle me this, guys. 49ers drafted, traded up, drafted Trey Lance third overall. Jimmy G has been the starter, except for what, one game? He missed like two games or something. Yeah. But yeah. You're one game away from the Super Bowl. Do you move on from Jimmy G now? Yep. Yeah. Because I think I think they're at a point where they can realize like, and I thought they realized after the first Super Bowl that they can win with Jimmy G and they can win probably win a Super Bowl with him. But imagine if they had like really talented quarterback Trey Lance. Trey Lance and Trey Lance has very much raw untapped potential. Yep. Similar to guys like Mahomes and Allen when they were prospects and everything. Right. We don't know what, what type of ceiling he has, but mm-hmm. he has a very high floor in there as well. And you, you'd at least have to, you'd at least have to try it. You know, e- even if he doesn't have too much success, you know, you have like a very strong head coach and strong team around him. And most of that is very young. Uh, like a decent amount of that is very young. Um, Maybe a few defensive pieces are older and everything, but most of that offense is young. Um, so it wouldn't be like if Lance doesn't have success in his first year, they wouldn't be able to run it back. Right. So in that case, I think that they'd be able to cut bait with Jimmy, get a decent amount. If they were able to make a Super Bowl run, which I would technically count this as a Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't been like the main reason, but he had a good game against Dallas, so... It wouldn't be like they wouldn't be able to get some solid pieces for that and be able to replenish some of the struggling parts that they do have, which would probably be their cornerback room. Yes. Trey Lance, him and Shanahan are going to be – that team's going to be scary. It's going to be fun. I've said before that if the 49ers do end up making it that far and actually winning the Super Bowl, that they'd be stupid to let Jimmy G walk. If he has a great run, has great games – Proves that he's the guy, and then you just cut him loose. Now I'm starting to think, let him go now while he has his hot hand. So that way, you know he's going to get overpaid somewhere. You know he's going to have the same talent that he's had the last two seasons, where they've kind of been stuck in this mediocre melodies and nowhere to go other than now where they're having this hot streak. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan's had success with a game-managing quarterback. We've seen that with Jimmy Garoppolo. But if he's able to work with a quarterback that is able to use both sides of the ball, has that raw, untapped potential, this could just be massive for the 49ers. It almost reminds me of Colin Kaepernick when he first entered the league when Alex Smith got hurt. So much raw, untapped potential, and he brought him to this point. He brought him to the Super Bowl against the Ravens. Did they fall short? Yeah, they did. But it still furthers the point that he brought them to a Super Bowl. Could Trey Lance do that with the coaching and the team around him? Absolutely. Furthermore, Kyle Shanahan. It's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think this could work. I think it will work. You can't just invest a third overall selection trading up for that pick matter of the fact. And then just benching him the next year to keep Garoppolo in just because he made you to an NFC title game. Maybe even a Super Bowl for that fact. I think Lance will be the starting quarterback for the 49ers next year. Where Jimmy G goes, I don't know. But obviously the president's now and his goal is just to make it to the Super Bowl. And 
honestly, I think he'll be he'll be fine Sunday. I think the Rams will have his number in terms of getting to him pressure, but I think he'll have a solid enough game where he can keep the 49ers in. So beautifully said. With that, we'll wrap up episode 21 of the Three and Out podcast. Be sure to check us out on all streaming platforms wherever you get them: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Signing off for now. Make sure you enjoy your playoffs this weekend. Brett Shavs, Mike Chiquetti, Ben Pope. Take care. Brush your head.